Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors, and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars. I am Michael R. Fletcher, author of Blackstone Heart. Uh, I'm Rob J. Hayes, author of uh, Never Die, and many others. I'm Dirk Ashton, no middle initial, author of the Paternus Trilogy. And today's episode is all about character flaws. So we should probably start off by asking why do we need flaws for our characters in our books? make them relatable isn't it i mean well obviously that's a a large reason because it's hard to relate to saints um Mm. because they're too good and nobody is that good we are as as people a massive mess full of flaws ourselves um so it's much easier for readers to relate to characters with flaws as opposed to characters with virtues yep i've actually never thought about it like that I, I just find flawed people more interesting to write. Uh, like people who are really good at everything and fantastically good looking. And, you know, I, I, I don't like them. Um, that's boring. <laughs> that's terrible. But like, really, the more fucked up somebody is, the more interesting they are. So to me, I, I never thought about it in terms of what Rob was saying, like relatability. Um, but it, it's interesting you, you brought that up. Is that, like you look at some all of my books, let's be honest like the characters for the most part are really seriously fucked up people. But the number of people who like, like will message me and, oh yeah, I could really relate. I'm always like, really? <laughs> Stay away from me. That's, that's not good. Dude, no. Everybody loves Witch Tig and uh, let's be He's fair about asshole. this. He's an absolute asshole. Yeah. He's unlikable. He's just a deeply shitty human being, but everyone's like, yeah, he's cool. No, but the the, the, fa- the fascinating thing about about the way you set the characters up in Beyond Re- Redemption, though, is compared to his two, you know, two two the two other folks on his team, he's yeah. the good guy, right? Kind of. And I don't and I don't care what anyone says. That book has uh, a glimmer of hope and redemption at the end. It, I don't care what anyone says. But, but I, it's I, I totally it really does. Though. It really does, and it's Wicktig. Um, and so it's it's all it's 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 it, what's fascinating about the way you did it is that yeah, you have 
they're all fucked up characters and bad people. But in relation to each other, there's a real distinction between the characters. So There's levels of shit. Really easy. It's really easy to identify, oh, this is this character. This is this character. Even if I didn't it just from hearing what they're doing and what they're saying, you don't even have to tell me who it is. Very soon in the book, I know exactly who this is, right? Which character this is. And character flaws are really just a part of character traits, right? So you want you want your characters to be distinct from each other. And that can be a really difficult thing to do. I ran into that because I have a cast of thousands, um, basically. So it's hard to make characters um, very distinct. But if you picture them in your mind, how they talk, how they stand, you know, the kinds of how they react to things, um, particularly how they react, um, uh, and try to make them just have a big base them on people you know even you know uh then that just kind of naturally comes out and flaws a lot of people i hear you know we need to have character traits for these characters we need to have flaws for these characters so i need to write down what my character's flaws are right because i have to add those in but every person has flaws of some sort whether it be they interrupt people every time they start talking like I do, or they, you know, um, their people are different. So just write them like, like not exactly real people. They can be kind of, you can exaggerate the traits with each, with each person a little bit because it's fiction and it's larger than life. But, um, I, I the fixation on, I must add flaws can make them feel forced. I think. I think another good part about what flaws uh, do from a storytelling perspective is they set up a lot of the character arcs. Um, quite often character arcs are about like a character learning to overcome a certain flaw or, you know, just dealing with the repercussions of that or whatever. And that kind of ties in nicely to those points about like, you know, how you make them distinctive, how you make uh, them interesting to read about because someone who is trying to grapple and overcome something uh, difficult about their personality is quite a fascinating person. And then also they're relatable because we'd like to think that we are also attempting to overcome and identify the flaws within our own life as well. I think one of the things um, that particularly beginning writers struggle with, with character flaws is like, they don't want the characters to be unlikable. So they give them really minor flaws, like being clumsy or I don't know, sneezing a lot or something like that, which isn't really a, like it's a flaw, but it's not really something that is uh, affecting Defining. them on like a psychological level or something like that. So how do we kind of go about adding meaningful flaws to our characters? Is it something that you think about consciously? Does it sort of just grow out of the characters um, organically? What is it? Tie it into when you build the character. Cause like, Especially if, if you're if you're writing sort of adult characters, um, flaws are generally tied into their past. Mm. Um, so the you know there's there needs to be a reason for them being there, um, and it doesn't mean that at the beginning you know when you first start you need to know what that is. I mean, I, I when I wrote um, Heresy Within, I gave uh, my main character the the witch hunter. I gave him the flaw of he's a kleptomaniac. He um he steals things and he doesn't even realise he's stealing them half the time. He's just like 
you know, he'll put his hand in his pocket and find something that he's stolen from somebody. Um, and I just, I, I gave him that character trait uh, because A, it sounded quite fun at the time, and B, because I'd watched an episode of Cowboy Bebop where the main character just steals a little dial off a, an old radio and just like breaks it off and then just pockets it. And it's just like, oh, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> and that's where that came from. Uh, and, uh, but as I went on, I then built it into his past and, and, and made it so that, you know, he, uh, he, he has a reason for being this kleptomaniac. Um, that, that, that very much ties into when he was growing up on, on the streets, you know, hard life and all that lot. Uh, that old chestnut. So I think, yeah, you need to you need to build the flaws. At least once you've got them in there, you need to give them a reason for existing. They can't just be, this character is, you know, uh, a klepto. This character is scared of heights. It's like, but why? Yeah. yeah mm. for me, I, I never think of flaws in terms of flaws, I'm never, I never start with like, oh, what's this character's flaw? I, I just, it's never occurred to me to, to do that. However, uh, I look at every character and I ask, what's driving them? You know, what, what is sort of like motivating? What, what are they trying to accomplish? And usually, usually always, their, their personality and their flaws for me come out of that sort of initial question is when you understand what is driving someone, um, you know, whether they want to be rich or they think, you know, they've got like a hero complex or whatever it is. Th that's sort of where that flaw comes from. And like Rob said, then it's, it's an organic sort of process. You're not just like, oh, this guy has, you know, tugs on his braid all the time. And there you go. It's a flaw. Like who gives a fuck? But it, it's sort of now because you've tied it to what's driving that character, it, it becomes a sort of um, innate part of the book. Um, and then you can just not actually think about it again for the rest of the book because it's, it's in there. It is what sort of defined that character for the book. So for example, that, you could have- uh, Does that make sense at all? I totally agree. And I think like, for example, with that, you, you might start with the minor thing of like the character tugs on their braid and you're like, oh, that's just nothing. But then if you're like, revealing later on in the story that he was a Jedi Padawan and the Padawan braid was a big part of his childhood. You know, you can start to like bring in these other elements as well. And I particularly love that idea of just sort of starting with something that is, doesn't really have any depth to it. And then thinking, why does this have importance for the character and why, you know, is this related to their motive and everything? Um, we're going to continue with this discussion in a second, but first, Mike, you have our featured book for this episode. Alrighty. Uh, I'd love to mention a book that I don't have a copy of. So instead, I'm going to mention this one. Oh, we're going to see it. Blackstone Heart. There you go. Talking about characters and flaws. This book is basically a character study. It's my first uh, first person point of view book that I've ever written. And it's bloody fantastic. Buy it from <laughs> somewhere. I don't care. Course, I don't care if you read it. Just logs I've ever read in a book. Of course it's great. Rob wrote it. <laughs> he did stellar. He did good work on this one. <laughs> so that is Blackstone Heart by Michael R. Fletcher. Link to that in the show notes as always. Um, one of the things we're kind of touching upon here is motive. And I think that's a really fascinating thing to explore with character flaws. Um, I forget who said it, but there was uh, this author who was talking about how if you want to have a flawed character, consider them having good intentions 
good uh, actions or good results and good flawed characters, as in interesting characters, generally would have maybe two out of three of that or one out of three of that. So you can have someone who has um, good results of their actions, but has selfish reasons for doing them and has, you know, evil uh, in initial intents for them and everything. And that becomes an interesting flawed character. Likewise, you could have someone who has amazing intents for doing something, but the actions and the results of it are negative in the end. Like for instance, Thanos in Infinity War, arguably he has good intentions behind what he's doing, but from everyone else's perspective, the results of those actions are quite bad. So how do we think about, um, I suppose, yeah, getting readers on side with the character despite their flaws? Or do you think that the flaws are actually critical to getting them on side with the characters? Well, make, make them, for me, it's, I think about, I, you know, as far as motivations and how they act and how they react, basically what kind of character they are, goes back, back to blow up. Did they, did like in, in my case for my books, I have uh, a couple of characters who grew up really without no real family, only children, you know. Um, uh, one of them has real insecurities because of some, um, because of uh, like an epileptic type um, issue that she had when she was young. And, um, and those, those things developed into things like she's constantly pushing her hair out, you know, um, and you try not to do that too much, pushing it out of her eye, over her ear, or she bites her nails. And then how she kind of overcomes some of those things just naturally. You don't say how it happens, it just happens. Um, or, um, you know, and, you know, if you grow up uh, as, a, as a single child or without any family or you lost your parents when you're young, that will affect how you act and react in the world and how, how close you allow or don't allow yourself to get to people because you don't want to be hurt again. You know, and you can talk about those as character flaws, but they're really just kind of character traits. Um, and, you know, it's other characters, like I have characters that are incredibly ancient and have been through some things that have seen just about everybody they love die, you know. So they can become a little cynical, um, even though on the surface they might seem gregarious and happy. They've gone through some, some, real, some real shit and also you know, you become callous, you know, uh, to life in general. And um, then, then it comes down to, you know, just what do these characters like? So I have a, one character, ancient character, who loves music. So he collects music and he's a DJ. Just, he loves that shit, you know? Um, and that's kind of how he, a lot of them, a lot of people, it's what are their, if they have their flaws, what are their coping mechanisms, right? Um, hmm. And, uh, you know, and everyone, everyone, we can call them flaws, but we all have a past. We all have issues, you know, even if we don't want to admit them. Um, and, and writers, good writers, I think, really have to be kind of psychologists to a certain extent, because you have to think about the human condition and what it's like to, to, to be someone and put yourself in another person's place, because that's really the, you know, kind of the hardest thing. And then, but then it's, you know, and you don't, you don't have to name the flaws, right? And that's a mistake I see in a lot of early authors is they name the flaw and they describe it, right? Right off the bat. This guy is, 
clumsy and he does this and this guy is has a real quick temper and he'll hurt people and this guy you know but those things can just come out and a lot of it though comes out in not saying what it is but seeing how they cope with underlying things without ever actually really describing them does that make any sense at all yeah um i mean it, it, again, I, I think that it, it can depend. I mean, you, you say like, it don't come out with the flaws unless it's built into the world. Because I just want to look at Fletcher, who for me is down there somewhere, uh, who th that's pretty much what his first book is about, isn't it? By Nerd because it's built into the world. It's built into the magic system, which is the world. Um, their flaws manifest in literal ways. Um, so I think as with most things um there are exceptions to the to the rule um i also want to point out that the, that ancient character that you were talking about that loves music and became a dj uh just for mm -hmm. anyone watching or listening is also a rooster <laughs> <laughs> a natural choice um but the there was there's one thing you said about overcoming the flaws which um I feel does need addressing in some ways because I, I feel that a lot of the time people uh, authors focus a character's arc around overcoming the flaws mm. and for me that always comes across as a bit unrealistic because like you say they're not yep. necessarily flaws they're traits yeah. and it's okay if some of those disappear over time or a character does overcome them but if there's a tendency um and i quite often see this in things like uh tv shows where a character overcomes their flaws and just becomes this sort of homogenous blur there's nothing left to them yep um because they were integral to who the character is hmm. and i think that kind of thing is is way overstressed in a lot of the writing books like uh, save the cat and stuff like that that people are are loving so far there's good stuff in there but there are like there are there are things I think that are overstressed. First, they have to want something. They have to really want something, and then they have to not be able to get that something. And you have to feed through that they have to be able to overcome their character flaws and grow. Whereas you know it's okay if someone's still an asshole. I think at the end of the book, it's I think <laughs> those things are those things are important and they you know there are a lot of stories that use those exactly like that that are fantastic but every single book doesn't need to be exactly like that growth isn't necessarily filing off all of a character's sharp edges until they're just you know a lovely perfect circle um mm -hmm. they can still have sharp edges they can still be an absolute arsehole they can still you know need to steal things or or um I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Ah, mine's going a bit blank there. Or think that they're the best swordsman in the world. Uh, the character, you know, those are traits. Those are the flaws, those are traits. They don't have to disappear for a character to grow. Mm. But what is interesting is when they pick up new ones due to the stuff that happens within the books. Yep, that's growth. Yeah. I love that turn of phrase there, talking about how yeah, growth doesn't have to mean just making the character this sort of bland reader stand in who's just you know pure and doesn't make any mistakes and they've learned all their lessons and everything because yeah you're right that is sort of why we are um intrigued to explore these characters lives is often because of their flaws and because of the ways that they are um yeah perhaps struggling to deal with the world for instance um mm -hmm. 
we have to wrap up this episode soon, but I was wondering, Mike, uh, Rob and Dirk just talked a little bit about some of the common mistakes that people make with writing character flaws. Can you think of any other common mistakes that writers have when they're approaching this? Uh, yeah, I think seeing your characters as characters is like your first mistake. They're mm. not characters, they're people. Um, so for me, I write, writing the book is basically a really, really, it's a three month long role-playing session of me. Um, so I am all the characters. Um, mm. Every time if a book has multiple points of view, when I'm writing that point of view, I am basically that character now. I'm pretending to be them. They're not a character, they're a person. Characters don't serve your plot. Characters don't serve what you think the book should be. Characters don't serve what you're hoping the way, you know, the way you want the book to end. They serve themselves, they're people. And so if that absolutely skull fucks what you had planned for your book, that's your problem. Your book is now gonna end differently. And this, is, this happens to me constantly. Those motherfuckers, they, I, they get me into corners because they never do what I want. Like, you know, uh, Witch Dig, he has his own plans. So it goes where he goes because that's what he would do. And he's not gonna change his mind and do something that's more, you know, gonna make my life as a writer easier because that's not who he is. So to me, it's character first. Um, they're people and plot is basically bullshit. Plot is what happens because of who your characters are. Yep. You don't start with your plot, you start with your characters and the plot will literally just kind of fall out of that. For me, character comes first. I mean, you hear that, you hear that uh, argument quite often. Character, story, or plot, or whatever it might be. Character, it, without the characters and the characters throughout, the most exciting, just for new authors, the most exciting thing for me, thank you very much. The Where's most, mine? I have Where's fresh coffee. Where's my coffee? <laughs> She says, none for you. Uh, none for you. You. Niet, niet coffee. for you. Um, what people. The, uh, is the, one of the most exciting things early on, sorry, uh, is that uh, when, when I was trying to, you know, I'm writing and feeling out these characters, uh, some characters I like more than others, and, and I'm going along, and, and then that, that moment when I was going to have, when according to my outline, this was going to happen, and the characters, basically, it was like they just stopped on the screen of my brain because it's a movie playing in my brain when I'm writing. That's, that's how I write. I don't see words. I see a movie. And I'm looking at who's standing over here, back here, what, react what reactions they're having and how they're moving. And suddenly, they all like stop and turn and look at the camera and say, we're not going to do that. That doesn't make any sense at all. And then I was like, <gasps> it was literally that weird that weird of a shock. And it was such an amazing feeling that suddenly, oh, I, I realized, oh my God, what have I done wrong? And then I realized, no, now I know that I'm doing something right. And that was really exciting. So hopefully all new writers will, will get to that point. If your characters start telling you, no, we're gonna do this, and you gotta stop and re-outline the whole rest of the book, I think you're doing it right. Yeah, my characters say things like, isn't it time something happened? <laughs> One of the characters off screen just wanders in and goes, uh, you're on board. I've been here for ages. Hello, you forget about me? Yeah, that happens to me a lot. I had to, in my rewrites, I had to go back and like, oh shit, I totally forgot about, you know, 
Leon or whatever character it might be. So I have to, you know, have him at least wave and yell in the background or something. Awesome. Before All right. <laughs> no spoilers. We will cut it off before there are any more spoilers about who dies in the Paterna <laughs> series. Um, this has been a really good episode. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your thoughts. Uh, thank you for watching or listening. Um, and we will see you again soon. Thanks, see you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> I love the random sounds that come out of us when we're doing like our goodbye waves. Oh. It's such a fun. Oh. <laughs> nice. Thank you for listening to Wizards, Warriors, and Words. We hope you learned something useful. We love hearing from our listeners. Our email is wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, which you can also find in the show notes. I personally read and respond to every email, so feel free to let us know what you thought about this episode. We'd also love to hear your questions. Send in a question via that email, wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, and we might even answer it on the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps more people discover the show. Wizards, Warriors, and Words is jointly hosted by Dirk Ashton, Michael R. Fletcher, Rob J. Hayes, and Jed Hearn. Our music comes from Michael R. Fletcher, and our artwork is by Felix Ortiz. Thank you again for listening. Now go and write extraordinary stories. We'll see you next time. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.